It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 442 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts chipping in over there, weekly contributions on that side from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick as well. And on the NFL side, we got the Locked On NFL shows going strong, all 32 NFL teams covered, and ahead of the playoffs, if there's a team you're interested in, a matchup you want to hear all about, make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On show. And I believe... For the playoff matchups, there will be little crossover episodes this week teeing those games up in depth. So uh, if you're, for example, a Chargers fan or a Ravens fan and you want to hear about that game, uh, make sure you're checking out both of those podcasts throughout the week and including their crossover show leading into the playoff matchups this weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, if you find a show on the network, as always, please re- subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's extremely helpful and uh, very good for algorithms and making people find the show and all that good stuff. So thank you very much if you've already done it. If not... Uh, Thank you in advance for taking the small amount of time it requires to do so. All right, on today's show, I am joined, as promised, by Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. We had a little chat about the Eastern Conference. We talked about the Cavs a little bit just to sort of check in. Of course, Chris and I have done these episodes for the last couple years, and... With the Cavs being bad this year, we haven't really had that much course to do it, but I, I don't know. I figured Chris has been talking about the Cavs all year long. Maybe he wants to mix it up and talk about some good teams and teams that are in the conversation that the Cavs used to be in. So uh, just chatted with Chris. He's fun to talk to regardless of who the teams are about or who we cover. So we talked about the Raptors. We talked about the injury stuff with the Raptors going on right now. We talked about uh, the Cavs and their sort of tank off and stuff like that. And then the Eastern Conference, sort of the hierarchy of the five best teams in the East right now I have a take about Kyrie Irving and the, and the Boston Celtics in there that might not be uh the lukewarmest of takes I guess it's uh maybe a little hot I don't know who cares it's it's uh, it's a podcast maybe the, I should fire up the takes more often on this I don't know um but it's a good chat with myself and Chris I'm not going to ramble on too long because uh as you can probably hear I have very little voice I'm sick and I just did three hours of radio and I don't want to talk anymore so I'm gonna wrap that thing there and we'll get to the conversation with myself and Chris Manning before For that, though, let me tell you that tomorrow uh, in the morning, I'll have a podcast going up with Jeff Garcia, who is the host of Locked On Spurs. Uh, We're going to tee up Kawhi Leonard's return and sort of get the gauge of the temperature in San Antonio and sort of how people are feeling about that. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of ugly. Uh, There's already some stuff out there about, uh, and Jeff wrote a piece about this. There's already some stuff out there about like death threats being put Kawhi Leonard's family's way. That's absurd, and hopefully there's no one listening to this podcast that would do such a thing. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully it's tame enough and not too, too... Anim- like, Kawhi Leonard did still win them a title, so I, I don't know. How, how much can you really hate the guy? Like, yes, it all ended terribly, but uh, that seems uh, beyond extreme to be going to those lengths, or even like... I don't know. The the aggressive boos, like Vince Carter never really had more than like second round success with the Raptors, and I think it made sense that he got booed terribly. 
if Kawhi wins a title, I don't know. That feels like it should be almost like a life path, like time pass, and he's always going to be regarded well by, by Spurs fans. But that's not really seeming to be the case, so we will see how that all plays out. And we'll talk to Jeff Garcia all about that ahead of the game on Thursday. Uh, so check that for uh, check your feed for that tomorrow morning, and uh, you should have it there. Either way, here's the conversation with myself and Chris Manning. Both of us are sick as hell on this podcast, so if they're like weird miscellaneous coughs and stuff that I forgot to edit out, please, uh, I, please forgive me. I apologize for that. Uh, just Chris was getting over the flu. I've had this dumb head cold for like a week. So uh, hopefully it's not too uh, drony and sick sounding and disgusting. Hopefully you don't get sick just by touching this podcast. But I uh, hope you enjoy it. Myself and Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. We will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Locked On Raptors. And I'm here with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs for one of our... We used to do this all the time where we would kind of join forces to talk about the state of the Eastern Conference just on a day where there's not a whole lot going on. Just kind of more of a more of a gauge, I guess, of how the conference is progressing. Of course, this year it's different because the Cleveland Cavaliers are bad and the Raptors are very good and they are not really in, in competition with each other. But I like talking to Chris. Chris, I think, likes talking to me. Uh, so we decided we would just kind of get together to talk about the East at the almost halfway point of the season, 45% point, you know, way of the season uh, sort of milestone at this point. Uh, the Raptors, you're hearing this after the Raptors have played the Jazz, most likely. Uh, if you're a Locked On Raptors listener, the Raptors played the Jazz tonight. Uh, or We're recording this on Tuesday night, New Year's Day. Uh, this will be coming out on Wednesday. So the Raptors are, will have 39 games in the book books by the end of this and the Cleveland Cavaliers will have like 37 or 38 I'm not sure if they play tonight or not but a person who would know that is Chris Manning Chris how are you buddy I'm doing good they do not play tonight the first game is actually Deion Waiters homecoming game on on Wednesday against the Heat so uh, I hope Deion drops like 50 in that game (laughs) just just has he played in he's getting traded yes but this is like he's just coming back from injury um, he, you know, this is like his chance to like, reassert himself, and um, yeah. you know, who knows? You know, like that's the that's the type. Of, I just the Dion in. The, I I don't even think that many people care. I just think it's, I always just like Dion's a character. I, I just appreciate immensely. So I, I hope he I hope he just drops like fifty. That's for the Cavs. Like that's honestly better for them for for what their goals are right now. Yeah, their goals are very, very obviously to be very, very bad. Uh, they currently have the league's worst net rating at negative 9.7. Their defensive rating of 115.2 is two full points worse than the next worst team, the Knicks. Uh, they're a masterclass of bad right now. How have you, like, it's got to be like a crazy adjustment for you, just having watched four years of the Cavs be really good with LeBron. To just go to this, I mean, I, I guess there's experience for Cavs fans in this sort of regard. It's sort of the wasteland that usually is what LeBron leaves behind. But what's, what's the adjustment been like for you? I would say at the bottom, it's much tougher to um, kind of... It's hard to say, like, different things all the time. Because with LeBron, like, you could find little wrinkles. You could find, like, little um, things to kind of keep your eye on. or And there's just always a lot going on, obviously. But with what, what the Cavs are now... There isn't much change. Basically, like, I spend more time than I would like thinking about these players and these contracts as chess pieces as opposed to, like, players and people. Like, I, I think that's just the reality of the, the bad team because, like, you look at what they're, they're, they've done as a franchise this year. It's been moving pieces around. It's been um, trying to acquire contracts. It's been a, a, trying to restock their draft, a, draft asset pool, and I think that's like what you're going to see them continue to do and, and be rumored to do heading up to the deadline. Um, and then basketball-wise, it's just 
Like, it's weird because we're not running things that are totally necessarily, like, worlds different than when LeBron was still on the team. But he is, but the, the, what Larry Drew's doing is basically just, like, trying to make a weird, very injured roster work. Um, and they've had, Kevin Love has been obviously only played four games. Tristan's been hurt and it was great before that, like. They don't have many guys who can shoot, and they take a lot of mid-range shots. It, it's not pretty, um, and they're really bad. And basically, like, they're in a tank-off with the other four worst teams in the East because they're all within, like, three and a half games of each other right now in terms of just just being awful with the Wizards, like, maybe becoming the sixth team in that in the, the sixth team in that race. So it's it's a very bad, bad time quality. And my, my general feel is, like, it is, it'll be theoretically quicker for the Raptors to, like, end up here where they are now, the Cavs are now, at least maybe probably a little bit better, but like lower there than than it is for the Cavs to like get back up if the Raptors like stay really good. I think the the Raptors dropping down just seems more likely in the next like two three years than the Cavs getting back up there. Yeah, that's fair. The Raptors. Uh, I guess there was the Mark Stein newsletter that came out today talking about how he's predicting Kawhi's going to go to the Clippers, and if that happens, like yeah, it's kind of a quick pivot to a rebuild. I think if they move on from Kyle Lowry or whatever. Uh, going into the final year, his deal, they're kind of sitting with like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi is like their kind of pieces. And I'm not sure that team is winning that many games if those two are the two best players on the team or two of the more sort of, you know, future looking players on the team. But uh, I, yeah, it, it's the Cavs, man. It, it's where do you sort of think they stack up right now in the tank off? Like, are you confident that they can be the worst team in the league? Uh, and if that, like, also, considering the lottery odd changes and how it's like 48% likely that you're going to get the fifth pick no matter what, like what is the sort of, I don't know, the, your level of confidence that they're doing this thing right or that it's actually going to bear fruit? You know, I I think my general thing is I think they sold wolf tickets um, that they were going to be good. Like I, I don't think they necessarily, I don't know if I can like say that they actually thought they would be good, but I think they are doing it somewhat right just because i tend to think like they are going they're like trying to be competent and they're like trying to like be functional for the sake of their young players but at the same time like they're playing a lot of young guys they've been really hurt um and i think the real test of this is going to come when they get healthy like Kevin, tristan thompson should be back very soon he's been the best player in the team today and he's been really really good this year um well you can ask you can loop back to this later but i'm just going to drop this in there that like one of my favorite pet nba trades that i think would make the raptors better is flipping Jonas for Tristan because Tristan's just like been phenomenal, um, and I think he could really help them with some of their needs right now. And defensively, he would be a big, big help. But Kevin Love's going to come back too. So if you get those two guys back and they're both in the primes, they're both healthy, they both raise your raise your floor. I don't. I'm curious to see if this pushes them to like five ish if they're worse in Atlanta. That being said, like of the of the except for the Knicks. Um, because the Knicks don't have Chris Stapps right now, and you know, um, I don't, I can't say I've watched enough Kevin Knox to like have a good read on Kevin Knox. Like Aiden's, I think is really good. They have Devin Booker. I think they probably end up being just competent enough by that talent level more than the Cavs. I think the Bulls have marketing, and you know, they have Wendell Carter, and he's really good. And Atlanta's Trey Young is playing a style as well, coach, etc. It would not shock me if the Cavs end up with as the worst team in the league, or I, but I would be kind of surprised if they ended up, you know, any worse than like third or fourth. I think even when Love is back. Um, even when Tristan's back, I think there's just a lot of issues with this roster, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're going to stay really, really, really bad. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are they going to like try to trade dudes? I know there was, a, again, Stein thing, some like Kevin Love, you know, maybe they'll trade him by the deadline. The Nuggets seem to be kind of poking around or whatever. Like, do you think we'll actually see like a big Cavs trade? I mean, the Tristan Thompson thing, I guess, is there too. I don't tend to agree with the Tristan Thompson Jonas swap because maybe it's because it's biased because the, Ra- the Raptors have kind of been playing like butt lately, and a lot of it has coincided with Jonas Valanciunas being out of the lineup. Kyle Lowry too, obviously, but Jonas is very useful and good and has had a really great season and has really fit nicely in sort of the center rotation the Raptors are rolling out there with Serge Ibaka playing. Uh, you know, mo- the lion share is starting minutes, and then, and then you know, Valanciunas is cycling in when he's got a matchup he can take advantage of. Like, I think that's been a really good thing for the Raptors this year. Like, I, I would say it would be more of a thing where, from the Raptors, I'd maybe try to get a deal for Tristan Thompson to make him, like, my third big type thing. Um, but even then, then you have to sort of consider, oh, like, well, where does Pascal Siakam fit in all this? Where does Pascal Siakam at the five fit into all this? Like, it's not easy. I think the Raptors are probably not looking to make that Tristan Thompson move as well as he's played this season. I like, I know the logic behind it. I just, I think Jonas has been more than good enough to be an acceptable, I guess, you know, nominally backup center on this Raptors team. You know, if they want to go do big things in the playoffs, like it's, it's you know, maybe Tristan's more matchup proof in certain matchups, and he can be on the court against more teams. And maybe if you're ultimately building for the Warriors, maybe that makes some sense. But. Um, like I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think it, that's much of a starter, especially with Thompson having how much? How much t- like he's got a lot of years left, right? Is no, that uh, just through ne- through next season? Same as Jonas, they're on the same okay. contract length. So it's it's okay, that, that that to me is sort of why I thought it, I think in the way you're talking about with the Warriors, why that that makes sense because the contracts break at the same time. Um, it gives you someone like he's not the same offensive player or the same potential hub, but he is a much better defender has a track record of doing really well against guys in the playoffs and like I, I mean just if you're looking at like the playoffs like I would trust him against Embiid more than I would Jonas like I, I think that that to me kind of factors into that too um but the Cavs roster if you're if you're a team out there that like wants something here well here's the list of players that I think the Cavs would not trade Colin Sexton yep Matthew Dlavadova because I think fans would riot <laughs> Jetty Osmond and Larry Nance Jr. I think everyone else would be available. Um, J.R. Smith, you could have him for like 50 cents on the dollar. You could get Kevin Love for the right price. You could, Alec Burks is like there for a team that wants, you know, wants a guy who can shoot. Um, John Henson is there. And I think Henson's sort of a guy that, that they love to get off that contract. Um, Hood, Rodney Hood's there. You know, McCaw, I guess, isn't tradable necessarily, but like, he is just kind of there. Um, this is it's like, okay, like, I, I think all the pretty much everyone else would be available. There's certain guys that I think are less likely to be dealt for a variety of reasons, but um, I think anyone else aside from those guys, like, could be in a deal. That being said, um, I don't know how attractive that collection of, of guys is, you know? Um, like, what, what appeal does Alec Burks have for, like, a good team? Do they, are the Cavs better off maybe just getting their own form of salary relief? Um, that, that's sort of where that comes in, and they're in a position they need to be it's like a very flipped position from where they were last year where like in the deal where that got them nance and got them that trade deadline and reset they gave up that extra pick in the clarkson deal um you know they, they need to be a team now that like needs to convince a team that jordan clarkson like makes sense for them that that is where we are at in this Cavs life cycle oh 
That makes me sad. Hey, Jordan Clarkson. Have Jordan Clarkson. He's very good. Uh, worst, <laughs> that, that's worst, not a, like last, a sales job you want to be making, I don't think. Yeah, worst defensive RPM in the league among point guards last time I checked. Ugh. Like worse than worse than um, like several rookies, which is which is very bad. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a self self tank move. I've been I've been beaten up by the Cavs enough over the last few years. I don't really mind that they're bad now. I can deal with it. I'm uh, I'm I'm accepting of this uh, this development. Um, Anything else on the Cavs? Switch over to sort of the Eastern Conference. Status update, I guess, would be the thing that we're doing that we usually do. Usually the Cavs are involved. Again, they're not really this time around. They're more hanging out with teams like the Hawks. Uh, any, any other things on the Cavs that you want to throw out there, though? No, let's just, I need to move on for my own sanity. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So here's a, here's a question about the, the, the upper half of the East, Sean, that I... I, I find I don't have a good answer to. So right now, Raptors, as we're recording this, are second in the East, half game behind the Bucks. Top five of the East is Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Philly, Boston. Among those five teams, um, and I, th- I would say it's fair to say those are the best five teams in the East, if if everything was even, if it was uh, coming to the playoffs today um, and, and what you know about the Raptors and everything like that, where would they be among those five teams for you as the in terms of that actual hierarchy of teams this is so hard because the Raptors have been in this little malaise over the last few weeks with Kyle Lowry missing a bunch of games with a back injury and it came out on Tuesday that he had some injections he went to New York to get injections and there's no timetable for his return yet I don't know exactly how serious it is they said that his conditions improving every day so I don't really know how to read all the stuff that came out. The Raptors are usually pretty cryptic with their injury-related updates, so I don't want to jump to any conclusions or assume when he's going to be back, whatever. But, um, like, they've not looked like the best team in the East over the last little while. They got destroyed by the Magic on Friday by, like, 30 points. They had their worst-ever shooting performance from two-point range. They shot, like, 26% from two uh, in that game against the Magic. And then against the Bulls on Sunday, they also looked kind of just, like, groggy offensively. And, I like, I don't know. It's... Not having Kyle is very big. Not having Jonas Valanciunas has also been huge because it's not just you don't have his like efficient offense. It's it's that you don't have sort of the the matchup flexibility that has made the Raptors so good all year. Where like Serge Ibaka and Jonas, until Jonas got hurt, have only been in positions in which Nick Nurse believes they could succeed, and that has not been the case. Obviously, with Jonas missing time, you have Ibaka playing against guys like Hassan Whiteside and you know Wendell Carter Jr. Um, or Nikola Vucevic, I guess, is a better example, not Wendell Carter Jr. But like, just he's had to go up against guys who maybe he's not really cut out to to play against, and that what hasn't been a problem when when Jonas is healthy because you throw Jonas in and in those matchups he's been very good, and I think their strengths complement each other really well in that. There's not really anything that's not covered by one of those two. 
So just not having Serge playing in his best positions has kind of been difficult, and he's been kind of exposed a little bit lately. He's been hurt too. He's had some knee stuff. The whole freaking team's been hurt this year. It's so exhausting just like looking at the injury report every day because it's like, okay, who's hurt today? Danny Green's out? Okay, great. Now no one on the team has played every single game this season. And they've had like 13 or 14 different starting lineups. It's been a disaster. But, you know, through all that, they're still 27 and 11. And I think until earlier this week, they were the number one offense in the league. Of course, those last two games against Orlando and Chicago, I think, have knocked them down a bit. But, like, they have been really, really good regardless of who's in the lineup for the most part. And Kawhi's obviously incredible. And he's willing them to a lot of these wins, which is, like, really gritty. Even when he's not having great shooting performances, he's getting to the line a ton in those games. Uh, I think he had, like, you know, 20 – he was, like, 8 of 22 against the Bulls on Sunday. But, he, you know, he had, I think, like, 29 points. He went to – it was, like, 10 of 11 from the line. Like, he was excellent. And he kind of willed the Raptors to win that game. And when you have that, you kind of have, like, a sort of a way larger margin for error. And there's been a lot of error. It's just not been crisp offensively. When, like, Kyle Lowry's out, the whole engine kind of just becomes a little bit rusty. And the gears don't quite move as well. And the the offense isn't as free-flowing. It's very kind of regimented. It's like, all right, Kawhi's going to run the offense a little bit more. This has been a problem most of the year where it's, like, a bit of a sort of back and forth between Kawhi getting his and the Raptors' offense running this sort of like free-flowing playground-style offense that Nick Nurse has really tried to enforce them playing. And so without Kyle, you've had a lot of just Kawhi having to sort of lead the charge. And not having Kyle has also hurt Serge Ibaka too because like a big reason Ibaka's been so good this year is Kyle's done a fantastic job of getting him looks in, in spots that are like just the shots that he's very good at. The pick and pop between those two is just like infinitely more crisp and reliable than the pick and pop between, say, Frank Van Vliet and, and Serge Ibaka. So you're missing that element too. So like I think at full health, this is the best team in the East, but with the questions looming about Lowry, maybe you sort of consider it. And like the way the Bucks have played lately and the way that they've kind of rebounded after kind of, you know, kind of falling into a bit of a rut after that great start they had, you know, they, they've been outstanding and they, they're definitely scary for sure. The Sixers, I don't really have that much fear in because the Raptors have been good against them. And you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned Tristan and Jonas and sort of the how they would match up against Joel Embiid. Like, the Raptors have kind of owned Joel Embiid, and Jonas has been a really big part of that for the last few years. So I just they don't scare me that much as a matchup. Ben Simmons, I think you can easily game plan for and sort of turn him against the Sixers in a playoff series. The Celtics are the big wild card. I have no idea what the hell the Celtics are right now. Uh, they've kind of fallen back into a bit of a backslide after kind of beating up on a really, really easy schedule, during which time everyone was like, oh, the Celtics are back as they're beating, like, the Magic and the Suns. Or they lost to the Suns, never mind. Uh, but, like, they're beating all these crap teams, and it's like, oh, baby, the Celtics have found it. But it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe they're just playing bad teams and they're not actually that good. So I would imagine they'll figure it out. They're, like, fourth in net rating right now, but it's just they, they have to sort of – prove it to me and it's halfway through the season and they haven't done that yet so long long story short the healthy Raptors I think are the best team in the east but I don't know how do you view it so I the Sixers game against the Raptors where that Ben Simmons really kind of just didn't know where he was supposed to be maybe and this has kind of been like a, a reoccurring thing with the Sixers is like Ben Simmons like game with Butler and Embiid that that has kind of tainted but I think I think I feel like the Raptors are the best team because I think Kawhi is the best player it's either him or Giannis right now that's the the, the Celtics yeah. do scare me. Kyrie's been um, incredible every time I feel like I've watched him this year. And, you know, they ha- they are deep and they have all these wings and guys that should get better. 
Um, but I feel like Toronto should be the best team. I, I feel like they it would be a surprise to me if they weren't the like not a major major surprise, but they would be my pick. I think to get out just because of quad, just because of, of Lowry, because I like Nurse as a coach because of the depth. Um, it, but obviously Lowry needs to be healthy for that. Um, he needs to kind of be yeah. really good, Kyle Lowry, for them to kind of make that work. And if it's not them, um, I'm not I'm not really sure. Like I, I maybe Milwaukee just because of Giannis and because of. Um, Brooke Lopez is like taking like 15 threes a game and like shooting really well in them, and it's like wild. Um, and maybe Boston figures out. I but I do expect like the. I mean, obviously we're gonna get a new team out of the East this year for the first time in a couple of years because no LeBron equals the Cavs not having uh, any chance at that. But um, I, I think it could be any one of these five teams. I wouldn't be totally surprised. But Toronto is at the, at the head of the pack for me, and it's. I mean, largely to me, it's because of Kawhi. Because even if he hasn't been exactly the guy that he was in San Antonio, he's been really, really good. Um, and and for you, I mean, just what has the the going from covering Demar and a team that was like centered around this Demar Kyle partnership? What has been the change in them as a franchise and like them as a a as a functioning like group of people, like teammates and everything? Like, how has it been like observing that those differences now that it's Kawhi? who is very different than Damar instead of Damar. Yeah. It's definitely weird. Um, like, uh, like Kyle's not best pals with Kawhi. They're not doing fun stuff in post-game stuff or whatever. But, like, I don't think anyone expected that to be the case well, coming in. I feel like Damar would have answered that question about Christmas. Like, I feel like he would have yeah. just, like, said something. And, like, it, it, that doesn't matter, obviously. It was just really funny. Like, I feel like Damar would have been like, um, I yeah. love, you know, the cookies or something. And Kawhi's just like, nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah, Kawhi's definitely a very different cat than Damar was, but, like, there's no denying that it's just, like, a much better team with Kawhi. And, like, even without Kyle, I think Kawhi kind of gives them a floor and just sort of the defense that the team is capable of gives them a floor because they can have games where their offense is kind of sticky and not very good, but, like, they can also just shut teams down for long stretches of games, and they haven't done it sort of, I I think, with the consistency they would like so far this year. Um, You know, they've kind of they've kind of you know fluctuated from like fourth down to like ninth in defense depending on what they're feeling like during the given day but like they have been really really good for you know eight minutes at a time in like just like terrifying fashion and I think that gives them sort of an opportunity to kind of be like last year's Celtics maybe even if Kyle's not healthy like maybe they could sort of just like fall into a bunch of wins because their defense is so good and it shuts teams down in the playoffs so there's that um and that's obviously a a difference that Kawhi brings right like if you were talking about this team with no Kyle and just Damar like I'm sorry that team's losing in the first round and it's probably not going to be particularly close and I love Damar but just like the difference is so so obvious in 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 their play and I think everyone on the team gets that I think Kyle gets that too you know I'm, I'm a little bit surprised maybe that it's taken Kyle as long to sort of sort of maybe acclimate himself to the team, to the offense with Kawhi. But I'm not sure that's entirely on Kyle. I mean, Kyle is, like, leading the league in assists. He's been amazing. So I don't know really if he's, like, had trouble sort of acclimating to the offense or if he's just kind of looking for a spot. He's shooting way less. His usage is, like, under 20 right now um, when he's in the lineup. So, like, maybe it's just a matter of him finding his, like, confidence to be more aggressive and look for his own offense here and there. Then that can kind of have a bit more of a balance, and then the offense will kind of find its equilibrium that way. But, like... I don't know. It's just it's they're they're a really hard team to evaluate because they haven't had their whole team together for more than one game. But I do think the one thing that's very, very sort of obvious is that they're just a better team and there's a better baseline with Kawhi than Damar, despite it not maybe being the sort of same fun loving, you know, family atmosphere of a team. Kawhi kind of, I think, keeps to himself. 
then that's fine. And, and I, I, he has his own pals on the team too. Him, Norman, him and Norman Powell are really good friends. Uh, they go back to San Diego together, I suppose. And like, so they, it's not like he has like no friends on the team or anything like that. I think he is sort of acclimating himself and it seems like he's, you know, he's not like some loner or anything like that. And like, if there's if you're looking for reasons to like be confident that he's going to stick around, it seems like he's not sort of secluding himself from the rest of the team. But it, it is it's undeniably a different sensation than with, than with Demar, where it just kind of felt like, hey, there's Dad, Dad's over there, uh, and it's all going to be good because Demar's there, and, and he'll talk to the media and be forthcoming and and sort of step up for the moments where Kyle doesn't really feel like talking to the media at all, and Kyle and, and Demar will get in there. It's uh, it's been different i guess is the best way to say it and like but like extremely different in terms of just like the i guess the 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 biggest thing for me is like talking about the team it's not like you're trying to build hope you know sort of on the top of like a mirage right it's not it's not like you're like okay this team's really good maybe they can be a, a team that can go to the finals like no this team can go to the finals and Kawhi is the reason why you can kind of talk with confidence about those sort of prospects down the road what is the for you? This is always something I had to do with the Cavs, and this is kind of like the the last kind of big question I guess I have for the this top of Easter. And I was when you look at Toronto, in terms of its at maybe being at the head of this hierarchy with the Cavs, there's always like okay, what could be there? What what's the thing I don't know that, that as we go into deeper into this season that I need to keep an eye on for you with Toronto, aside from health, which is sort of the obvious one. What is the part of their team, part of their organization, um, part of the part of their their lineups or whatever it is? that you feel like you don't have a good enough grasp on to fully be able to evaluate this group? I guess it's like they've been really bad at shooting threes despite most of the roster being guys who are pretty good at shooting threes throughout their career. Um, And I'm waiting for that to kind of correct, I suppose. Maybe it won't correct. Maybe like Serge Ibaka is just a 29% three-point shooter. Maybe, you know, CJ Miles is just never going to get it back and he's going to shoot 27% and get benched. Like, it does seem weird that this team that in theory can have lineups where, you know, there's no more than one bad shooter on the floor at, at any given time has kind of had trouble being a consistent three-point shooting team. Like, even Kyle shooting like 33% from deep despite a ridiculous start. He's been that bad over the last couple of months before he got hurt. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that they're this bad from three because none of the track records of any of these guys suggest that they are bad three-point shooters. Maybe they're not knockdown guys who are going to hit 40-plus percent outside of Danny Green or Kawhi, but like... You would think that there's some semblance of like really high level three point shooting from guys like Kyle or Miles or Ibaka. Uh, even OG Ananobi's been kind of rough. It's like his free throw shooting even has been really bad. It's very, very bizarre. But like the process behind getting a lot of their looks has been good. So I do think once those start falling, we'll see the numbers kind of adjust. We'll see them climb back up in the offensive rating. We'll see the them sort of become this sort of offensive juggernaut of a team because the looks they create, because of the gravity that Kawhi creates and his ability to sort of pass out of those situations and just the way the team plays with more space with Ibaka at center, like they're getting good looks everywhere. It's just they're not falling right now. So I guess the thing I'm watching over the second half of the year here is like, will those looks start falling or – is it to get to, does it get to the point 15 games from now where it's like damn we got to make a deal for some sort of three point shooter who we know is consistent and reliable because some of these guys just aren't correcting um, for whatever reason so that's the thing I'm keeping my eye on for sure is there something about the East that you uh, it doesn't have to be with the Raptors it can be with any of the teams that we talked about any of the five teams any of the bottom teams like is there something that you are particularly fixated on. Here I'll run through the, I'll run through the couple I have for each team. Number one, um, with the Bucks, I just want to see if they do, a if they do anything else and b like if they can just sustain this like level of three point shooting and um, just 
like level of just how good a lot of these guys have been because I just don't know. Um, with Indiana, I just need to know if they're for. I think they're they're really really good and for real, and they sneakily just kind of are that way, and they don't probably get talked about enough. But I want to see how um, sort of they would would hang in some of these other instances. Some of their offseason signings can maybe do a little bit more with Philly. It's the obvious one. It's just what are they going to do um, with you know their late game offense with Ben and. And how does that work? And can they, you know, do and do they do anything at point guard to get someone better than TJ McConnell in there? And with Boston, can they get any bench players at all? Like yeah, any bench players? Right. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, Philly. Jordan Clarkson's right here. <laughs> has been to an NBA Finals. No Sixer <laughs> in their core group has been in the Finals. I'm just saying. Fact check me. I'm right. Amir Johnson went. Didn't he? No. Maybe? In his rookie year? I don't know. I Maybe look, I'm wrong. Look, did, did he... Did he <laughs> Jordan Clarkson was like, there, okay? Not a year ago. He's ready. He's ready to go back. Let's make it happen. I can negotiate this. If you talk Philly. into existence, if you put... If you talk Jordan Clarkson out of the Sixers, I will personally be very thankful for it because that sounds like something I want in the in, in a team that the Raptors might play in the playoffs. Yeah, but then the next thing you know, he's going to be like putting the the, the three point symbol over his elbow as he runs down the floor in the in the Air Canada Center. It's the Air Canada Center, <laughs> not the Scotia Bank. Um, it, like he is going that that will be the thing. I'm just going to say like um, they obviously can't really trade Chandler because they don't have other guys. I'm just saying like. Give me Furkan Korkmaz and give me Markel Fultz. And, uh, I mean, look, the Cavs, the Cavs can't be picky with talent. That's not where they're at in life. And um, for Clarkson, I'm, let's, let's call it a day. Let's go. Philly, call me up. <laughs> give me Jetty's Turkish brother and uh, you can get rid of Fultz and you can have Jordan Clarkson, NBA Finals contributor. But that's that's where I am. Fultz for Clarkson? Fultz for Clarkson is maybe the most depressing fake trade I've ever heard of my <laughs> Twitter would it makes me profoundly sad. Twitter would be like a wild, <laughs> would be wild that day. Uh, would be it would be saucy. Uh, and with Boston, it's just like what what are they? You know, I don't think we know. Um, I think like they could be really really good, obviously. And I think there's a lot of um, expectation that they would be really good. So for me, it's just like what what do they ultimately look like? And um, do do just Tatum, just Brian, just Gordon Hayward, just someone among those guys, just kind of step up in a way that really really makes them better so that like but i think it, it would not shock me again if any of those five teams do make the finals but for me it's toronto and, and milwaukee kind of the two teams i have ahead of the pack right now here's a take about boston uh i think it makes sense kind of that they are where they are because i think their top end talent is less good than the rest of the very good teams in the east i think kyrie irving is the worst best player on any of these five teams i take oladipo over him i think because of his size and his defense and I don't think it's a question when it comes to either Butler or Embiid over 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 Irving for me. And then same goes for Giannis and Kawhi. Like maybe that maybe they're just this is what they're supposed to be. And maybe they collected too many guys who it's hard to share the touches and all this stuff. And like yes, I know they've kind of climbed up the net rating and they're they're looking better uh, as, as from like sort of a numbers perspective. But also again, their schedule's been like insanely easy over the last month or so. So let me see it against better teams. Uh, but maybe like. Maybe we just overvalued their talent. Maybe we thought Jason Tatum was going to be some MVP candidate when he's just Jason Tatum. Maybe that's just kind of what they are. I don't know. I think that's not an unreasonable thing to to think. Um, I don't think that those are unreasonable. And and certainly Tatum is a second-year player. And second-year players can regress a little bit because progress, as we know, is not like a, a linear thing necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's probably 
pretty good here. We've covered the East pretty extensively. Both of us are battling through uh, intense sickness and uh, sound like probably not the best or most coherent right now because yay pills. But uh, <laughs> and look, Chris, no one, man, no, no one cares about fun. the middle of the East. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, <laughs> no. like no one cares I'm about sorry, the bottom sorry. of the East. But like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry Detroit. Charlotte. Sorry, Brooklyn. I just don't care about you even a little bit. Uh, you're going to get destroyed by whoever you play in the first round. That's cool. Uh, that's going to do it, though. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Raptors and Locked on Cavs. Chris, do you want to promote anything right now? Yeah, just go to Fear the Sword. I'm writing up some Cavs New Year's resolutions for them to like become a competent franchise again. Um, we're writing about Patrick McCaw, and we're covering the draft a lot. So like, if that's your jam, um, come check all that out. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Woodley Sean, uh, Raptors HQ. I've been kind of quiet over there because my work schedule has been bizarre and then I needed some time off over the holidays to kind of refresh my brain a little bit. Uh, and I'll be back getting stuff up there. I'm going to return at some point what didn't suck where I talk about the good things about all the Raptors losses. <coughs> Excuse me, all the Raptors losses. Uh, hopefully I don't have to do that for tonight's game against the Jazz. Uh, I mean, you'll know. As of now, as of hearing it, if I have to write a what didn't suck for the game against the Jazz. But uh, we'll have it covered there. We will have a podcast. Uh, you already have heard, I guess, the post-game podcast after Raptors Jazz. The timeline is really screwing me up here of what we're recording these. Uh, and I'm sure I'll have a preview and recap podcast for the game against the San Antonio Spurs. The Kawhi return game on Thursday. We'll cover that extensively on Locked On Raptors. And uh, find a show on the network on the Locked On Podcast Network you like. If, and if you find one, please rate, review, subscribe, all the good stuff on whatever podcast catcher you use. It's deeply, deeply appreciated. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Chris, thank you for joining me, man. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Sean. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.